So welcome to Decent Rowing Podcast number nine. Today we'll be talking about using the ergo to become you know, faster on land, faster on the water, uh, what sort of training methodologies you can use, and you know, talk a bit more about the technical side of things later. Uh, last week we talked about the warm-up, so what you can do to prepare yourself uh, you know, physically and mentally. So if you want to listen to that, uh, that's the last one we put up, number seven, number eight. And um, yeah, so when you most people think of the ergo as a training tool uh, to improve physiologically. So let's have a, a quick chat about what you can, what sort of things you can do on the ergo, some rules of thumb, uh, what's you know some good training methodologies that we know of. Cool. Well, with the ergo, there's a couple of things that we need to be aware of. Is that it's a great training tool. Um, and if you can, should be supervised, so your technique's right, but more on that later. From a physiological training tool perspective, the ergo's pretty handy, particularly in climates where the weather's bad. Uh, winter in uh, snow areas and cold countries, it's uh, during winter, it's, it's very handy to be able to use an ergo because it, it does approximate the rowing stroke really quite well. There's a few differences, though. Uh, on an ergo... You'll find that the because uh, it's it's fixed. If you have it on sliders, then it's more like a boat, but they're still different from rowing in a boat. From a, a power perspective and the use of the ergo, it's different from a boat in that if you're going to train on an ergo, then it's been shown that sessions for longer than half an hour, uh, you do tend to end up with more possibility of back injuries and the like. So long sessions of say an hour or more uh, you should break them up so the current recommendations are no more than half an hour on the ergo without a break and but the break doesn't need to be very long a five minute break is is sufficient for you to for your body to um, recover to enough extent to do another another piece so training on the ergo it's it's very powerful but make sure your technique's right because otherwise you're going to be using muscles in a way that's different from what's in a boat and that's not actually going to be helping you with your on-water performance. If you want to train just on the ergo and you don't row in a boat then there are some technique differences that you can get away with but again more on them later. So physiologically a really useful tool and the the trick really is to make sure that you don't run really really long sessions because you'll find you're more likely to get an injury. So there's a couple of things that are that are different with an ergo than being in the boat. Um, you know, Ken said one of the things is that you know it's fixed and the boat you know moves underneath you. Uh, even if you have sliders, you're still you know the ergo weighs you know, about 20 kilos. Um, you're still going to it's still going to be heavier than a boat simulated. Um, one other main thing that people often forget is that the rowing strokes, the the amount of gearing that you have in the rowing stroke, so how heavy it feels, uh, changes a lot throughout the stroke. So at the catch in a rowing boat, um, you take the catch, it's probably about uh, ten time, eight or seven, eight times uh, what it is when it's at the the square off position. So when the the oar is perpendicular to the boat, whereas on the ergo it repl- it it gives a, a very similar resistance throughout the whole rowing stroke. And so um, it doesn't really, you have to be uh, quite quick with the legs on the ergo uh, to simulate, you know, how much load that they get in the rowing boat. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind if you're trying to train on the ergo to, to be faster in a boat. It is similar, 
but that's a that's a big difference that they have. Yeah, definitely. And and the it's easier on an ergo to be able to load up the catch, like race into the catch and load it up really heavily, uh, and, and and push really hard at that point. It's but in a boat you'll find that that sort of technique's not really going to work. So if we move uh, towards a bit more of a technique focus, then you'll find that uh, sometimes you'll see people who are aiming on rowing in a boat that's their purpose and they're using the ergo to train for rowing in a boat but when they get on the ergo they row with a different technique because they can get away with something that's different the trouble with that is that then they end up working on a bad habit so they can't actually when they get back into the boat you'll find that their technique is different so uh, you need to understand that if you're training on the ergo to row in a boat then you should row like you're rowing in a boat and don't pull the handle up too high because in a boat you can't do that. Uh, it's important to make sure that you keep the same technique. If, on the other hand, you're just training on an ergo and you uh, do an indoor rowing and you don't get into a boat, then, then yes, you can have a different technique. Uh, so fundamentally, I'd be careful about looking at technique that's used by indoor rowers that aren't rowing in a boat and trying to use that for your own purposes uh, if you want to row in a boat because the technique's different. Yeah, one, one of the other ones that they do is often lean back a long way, yeah. like way too far for, for a boat. And so you really, if you are rowing like that on an ergo and you do want to be faster in a boat, you're basically wasting a lot of time teaching you the muscles the wrong thing to yeah. do and making them very fit at something that they, they really shouldn't be doing at all in the rowing boat. Now, when it comes to um, when it comes to training on an ergo, though, like say you want to be fitter, you want to be faster. What's the workload sessions that you'd be looking at doing? Uh, it depends how fit you are, really. Uh, a couple of things to bear in mind too is it's good to have a benchmark of of how much effort is required uh, on an ergo to re- achieve a certain heart rate. So, what you can do quite well on an ergo because it's very um, uniform, is that you, if you know that you can hold a certain split uh, on the ergo at a certain rating and you know what your heart rate's going to be for that, then that gives you a really good idea of a baseline intensity, uh, which has a, a few benefits uh, in relation to working out if you're, if you're unwell and also if you're improving. So if you want to understand whether you're improving on the ergo, then a good measure is to work out what your base rate is first at a particular heart rate and then see if you can achieve a better split like a faster time uh, with the same heart rate and if you can do that and you have a consistent uh, improvement over time then you know that you're getting better uh, getting fitter also if you crook so if you're ill you've got a cold or or some bug or you're tired uh, because you've been overworking or you're just tired anyway then you'll find that you're you won't be able to achieve the same split at the same heart rate. So it's a good indicator of whether you're improving heart rate versus split at a certain rate, whether you're improving uh, in your fitness. It's an indicator of whether you're uh, fit, as in healthy and not ill and not too tired. And if you are sick, you've had some illness, then it's a good indicator of when you're recovered. And so you can easily just monitor yourself to see if you're recovered. So so heart rate in relation to split, in relation to um, stroke rate, I think is really important. Once you've got yourself a baseline like that, then there's no, it, it's a really uh, 
useful way than to increase the the amount of work that you're doing. It's the same as in a boat, in essence. So you don't want to increase too quickly. You don't want to increase your workload too quickly. Otherwise, you end up with potential for load injuries and the like. And so as far as how much you can train on an ergo, then uh, the rates for the same amount of work will be different in a boat than they are on an erg. But if you keep an idea of what your heart rate is and try to train in the in the correct zone, in the if you're doing aerobic work, do it in the aerobic zone. If you're doing uh, high intensity uh, work at threshold, then then recognise it for what it is and and do it at that rate. So I think heart rates are really important, and you'll find that heart rate, as you can see it on the screen with a lot of ergos these days, Concept Twos have it on the screen uh, with the particular models that you get. So I think that the best way to get best performance is to understand your workload in relation to heart rate and effort. So really rowing is a volume game uh, when it comes to training. And so by volume, that doesn't mean, you know, hours at, you know, maximal intensity. Uh, You know, typically you probably want to be doing something like uh, one out of every five sessions that you do training either on the water or on the ergo um, or, or running or something like that should be at a high intensity. So, you know, if you do 10 sessions a week, maybe two sessions out of that whole week could be high intensity. The rest should be quite low intensity. So, you know, we're talking for me, you know, 30, 31 at the moment, um, my sort of heart rate for the low intensity sessions would be 150 uh, beats per minute or less. Um, so, so something something like that. Uh, we call it the T2 training training zone. And um, so basically, it it's it's at the level where you're working relatively hard, but you could still hold a conversation. You know, it's not like you be gasping for breath if you have to talk to someone. Um, but it's not it's not sort of like casual walking pace either and you know you'll find that as your training increases as you do more and more and you get fitter and fitter uh, you'll be able to you know do better splits on the ergo you'll be faster in the boat uh, for the same for the same heart rate and just having a a good idea a good rule of thumb for if you're uh, increasing your training load is only increase it by 10 percent per week so you know, maybe you can start with three three sessions a week, something like that, maybe 40 minutes to an hour. Uh, that, you know, you should be able to handle that okay uh, as long as the intensity is not too high. And then, you know, maybe add, you know, one session every two weeks, something to that like that. So for those people who, you know, start, you know, aren't doing anything and then jump to like 10 sessions a week, it's a recipe for... For disaster, you you will become overtrained very quickly, possibly injured, and you know your mood will go from from happy and cheerful to really depressed and and uh, and hating life. So it's uh, it's really important to keep an eye on what you're doing and remember how many sessions you've done. Keep a track of it. You know, lots of watches are really good. You know, use a Garmin, and it has a good app that goes along with it. It tra- tracks your training load. I found it to be reasonably accurate. At, at predicting when I'm overtraining and when I'm undertraining, and so it's it's really quite a useful tool. I know you know Suntu and there's a whole heap of other ones that have got similar things. So if you can, I think it's worth embracing that sort of technology. It it takes a bit of the guesswork out of how 
how much you're training and and you know how you're tracking with your fitness. But um, but yeah, try and yeah you try and take small steps, but consistent steps. You know, there's no point going, you know, once a week and doing an extremely hard ergo. You know, you're not going to get any benefit from it. You become sore, probably injured. Whereas you know, a whole heap of uh, you know lower intensity. You know, less duration sessions regularly increasing in both volume and intensity. So, you know, intensity as in, you know, going for the same row. So instead of being 20 minutes on the ergo, 150 beats a minute, you might do 30 minutes uh, three times a week, something like that, just to keep increasing it. And um, that's how you'll build your fitness and, you know, take it step by step. One thing about fitness too is that fitness takes, takes time. You need to spend a reasonable amount of time in order to get your fitness right. And uh, technique changes can be quite quick. Now, not always because some people have habits that need to be changed and take a while to change, but generally a technique change can be done quicker than a fitness change. And so the power of the winter program and the power of, of ergos is that you can get quite a lot of work done in a very short period of time compared to going for a row in the water. And so ergos are a really useful tool for for getting that base fitness load in the uh, rowing modality so um, definitely should use them use them for that purpose but be mindful though from a technique perspective you want to make sure that when you are rowing on the ergo that your technique is right Uh, quite often i'll see ergos used as a as a tool for just doing work and the coach may not be present for a lot of the ergo sessions and the athletes are just left to do the ergo on their own. If you're in that category, and that's how it often works and it must be sometimes, then I strongly suggest get a mirror or two and put them around the ergo uh, and watch what you're doing and watch your technique and ask the coach what particular, if you don't know, what particular parts of the stroke you should be looking at in the mirror to know that you're doing it correctly. I think that's that's a very important tool. Uh, if you haven't got a coach there supervising an ergo, then I suggest strongly suggest get a mirror and do it that way. Because you can, as long as you understand what you're doing, then you can get really good technique changes that way by just focusing on the particular aspect. The other thing that's important with the ergos too is that that uh, you don't want to. Uh, Try and change the technique, as I mentioned before, so that it's something that's not like what you're doing in a boat because otherwise you're just doing yourself a disservice and you'll get a, a bad habit ingrained and, and, and that's always a problem because then it's hard to get rid of. So ergo sessions, though, they're um, a really useful way of, of improving your technique if you can do them supervised and they're a great way of improving your fitness. So uh, if you can, also we'd, we'd always recommend doing ergos with uh, with sliders, or you know, if it's a concept two, or uh, you know, some sort of dynamic erg, not a fixed erg, because it really takes you one step closer to what you'll be doing in the boat. Uh, it puts a lot less stress through your back. Uh, it means that you can actually practice, uh, say, drawing the boat, like you know, pulling pulling with your feet to get the catch getting a little bit of a, a, a bounce in and out of the catch like you would in a normal rowing boat. It's uh, it's good to be able to practice all of those things with a dynamic ergo, which you can't get with a, with a fixed one. Mm, no doubt. And technique things on an ergo that, that I find are most, most important that, that people often miss is actually getting connected right at the catch. Now, you'll find that a lot of 
athletes rowing on an ergo don't really have a, a quick catch on an ergo. They come into the catch, especially if they're rowing at a low rate, they come into the catch and then they go out of the catch at a little bit slower rate and they haven't quite connected with the, with the flywheel as they do that first initial push. What I suggest you do is, is practice uh, watching it and listen for the sound of it because you can hear the seat move and you can hear the flywheel get caught and the chain move and once you get attuned to it then you can tell whether you've actually got it connected. The easy way to get it connected in most cases is simply to put your heels down. So come into the into the front, nice relaxed shoulders, relaxed grip uh, and full compression and then first movement is, is push but push with your heels down and you'll find that that quite often gets you connected to the flywheel quicker and you'll get better results as a, as a consequence of that. The other thing that you can do with uh, on sliders is you can connect them together and so you can have a number of uh, ergos on sliders linked together as they, for example imitating a boat and particularly if you're coaching beginners you'll find that they uh, very quickly come to understand that if someone's not in sync and got different body movements, then you're going to get a really different experience. Uh, and they'll be able to then tune themselves and be able to row better when they get to a boat. So I think sliders are a really under underutilized tool. Yeah, and if you have a mirror as well, you just can put it in one spot with a slider. Whereas if you have a fixed erg, you might need two mirrors to see the whole stroke. So, you know, it's... It's a lot easier, I think, to if you're coaching yourself to to do it with sliders and a mirror, and um, yeah, it, tr try and uh, whatever you're doing on the erg, if you're trying to become faster on the water, think about what you're doing. So don't think, oh, this is an ergo, I'm going to row it like an I row an ergo to get a good time. Think of it like the boat. Like, what would I be doing now? on the ergo to to be the equivalent of what I'll be doing in the boat. What do I need to work on? Is there something I can work on here on the ergo, like technique-wise, that's quite difficult to work on in the boat? You know, for example, you know, a nice confident catch position, something like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to do on an ergo and not so much on the boat. Yeah, and you'll find too that when, uh, if you can, what I suggest to do is periodically uh, film yourself so set up a camera and we'll get someone to film you from the from the side mostly but also from the front and then have a look at that and slow it down uh, and then compare it to what you know the rowing stroke to be and if you need examples of, of that then we've got plenty on the website and try and compare what you're doing in slow motion because sometimes things will look quite good in at normal speed but when you slow them down then you can really pick on some on some good technique issues that you can um, correct and so so i'd suggest use a video periodically and and learn how to coach yourself to some extent because often ergo sessions uh, there won't be anyone there to coach you so watch it in a mirror and use a camera to video yourself and then have a good look at it so i think technique on an ergo done that way especially if you can do it on sliders you get some you can do some really good technique changes to to match a boat so when you do get back on the water then it's it, it works pretty well yeah on, on the concept too probably one of the best uh, features that it's got is it will show you a force curve if you want it to and so you can really tell a lot uh, from your force curve about how you're applying applying the power 
So you know if you want to be, your, the curve needs to look something like a you know, reasonably quick uptick and uh, building to the power, you know, towards the middle. It doesn't want to, it doesn't want to look exactly like a, you know, a, a, an arch, you know, perfect arch, because that would mean you're picking it up really quite slowly, building to high power and then then dropping off. You want to have a, a quite a quick uptick and then build the power into an arch shape and then back down. And if you don't get connected at the front, you won't get that uptick. You won't get it, and that will base that basically means that when you come to rowing the boat, you're going to have a, a slow catch. You're not going to pick the boat up quickly, and uh, you're not going to be able to send it uh, as well, just because you you haven't been as quick around the catch. And uh, it's really easy to practice on an ergo, and it's really easy to get the instant force read feedback, and um, and yeah, and and do it that way. So when you're working on an ergo, then use it as a as a good training tool, but do it carefully and make sure that you get the right um, technique and that you don't overload yourself and cause any injuries. If you find when you are training on the ergo and part of your body decides it's hard to do, like for example, if you're trying to open up hard on an ergo, then you may well find that you can't do it for very many strokes because you're core muscles or your lower back muscles aren't strong enough to be able to do it so take mind of that and then put an exercise program in place to improve those muscles so be aware if you've got uh, technique issues on an ergo then it may well be that you've got certain areas of your muscles that should be worked on to make them stronger so use it as a useful tool and I'm and you'll get uh, much better performance in a boat if you treat it the right way but but please don't don't use the ergo in a way that's different from what you're trying to row in a boat because it's not going to help your rowing overall. Yeah, and and try and uh, there's not many things you can change on the erg, but try and match the uh, the feet height, feet to seat height uh, to be the same as what you row in the boat. What's comfortable for you, um, and yeah, don't don't try and be rowing in an uncomfortable position. You know, you might need to get a seat pad and put it on the ergo seat just to get that right uh, seat seat to feet height. So next week we're going to be talking about how to set up the boat and oars. So you know what 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 are the basic rigging principles that you should follow? You know should you change things under certain circumstances? Should you not? What does changing different things do? So if you found this uh, if you found this podcast useful, please subscribe and uh, you'll get it uh, to your podcast service. Uh, if you want to know a bit more about what we do, uh, we've got a, a website, uh, decentrowing.com. There we have a, an email list where we have rowing tips that we send out on a regular basis. And, uh, yeah, we've we've got quite a lot of information on rowing come, coming out of there. We also have some paid subscriptions which allow us to do what we do with these podcasts and our videos. And, you know, our members have access to over 700 of our rowing videos as well as a whole heap of training programs and other bits and pieces uh, related to rowing. Uh, we have one-month free trials. We have uh, yearly memberships at a discounted rate. We also have group memberships if you're interested in signing up with your, your club or school. So uh, if you wanted to find out you know, a bit more, just head over to decentrowing.com, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time.